I ask that as you hear these words, maybe there is one word or one phrase that feels specific for you this morning to carry into your life, into your week. So hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the book of Genesis and Exodus. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and a fruit trees of every kind on earth that bears fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And from Exodus 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could not hide him no longer, she got papaya's basket for him and plastered it with bitten and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, as we come to this space, this sanctuary, this community, this bread, this wine, this light, and this word, we ask that you would plant a seed deep in the soil of our being, deep in the darkness in which we can hold privately in our life. And we pray that that seed would begin to bring new life as we move into this next year, as we move into transitions, as we move in our relationships, our work. May we know that you are with us. A God of hope. A God of joy, of love, of peace. And most importantly, a God that proclaims to be present. And so as we come to hear and to feel the movement of your spirit in our life, may we bring our full self to you. And may our presence touch yours. And may we never be the same. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We don't do this often, but if you could please put your hands together for my good friend, new friend, Rabbi Noah. Thanks, man. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hi, my name is Noah. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Um, for those of you who were here in June, um, you might remember that I ask a lot of questions. I will be doing that again this morning. Um, so just as a, and for those of you who weren't here, I ask a lot of questions. Yeah. So um, we started in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 11 and 12. Um, and just to read them one more time real fast. Um, Genesis 1, 11 and 12. And God said, let the earth sprout forth vegetation, seed-bearing plants, fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought, the earth brought forth vegetation, seed-bearing plants of every kind, 
and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. Now, this is where um, to unpack the word good, in, which in Hebrew is the word tov. Tov, like T-O-V, tov. Now, this Hebrew word good, when we say good in English, when we're talking about good, um, when people say that's good, or I had a good time last night, or dinner tasted good, what do they mean when they say that? It was fine. What was the other word? Enjoyable. But the food wasn't really what? It wasn't great. Right? It wasn't. And it also wasn't what? Bad. It was like fine, good, yeah, like, you know, above average, right? And that's, I think, oftentimes how we use the word good in English. Now, good in Hebrew isn't really thinking that way. It's not like a comparative between excellent and terrible. Good is, is really having a very different kind of conversation in Hebrew. And so this word tov in Hebrew um, will say, you know, good in English, but to really unpack how this word tov is thinking. Um, one of the things uh, that's very helpful in this is that Genesis 1, 11, and 12. Could we get that back up on the screen, please? The Genesis 1, 11 and 12. Oh, so, there's no one there. Yep, cool. <laughs> no, totally cool. Yep. No, it's fine, it's fine. Um, thank you. So, um, one of the things in that Genesis 1, 11 and 12, um, uh, yeah, kind of hard, uh, sorry. Um, <clears throat> so, in this Genesis 1, 11 and 12, um, it'll say, I'll just read it real fast again. And God said, let the earth sprout forth vegetation, seed-bearing plants, fruit trees of every kind, and on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. Then this is verse 12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it, and God saw that it was good. Now, I know this sounds like a trick question. I don't intend it that way. Where are the seeds at the end of verse 11? Was it? Don't lose the beginning of verse 12. Louder, please. The earth. Very good. Right? The seeds have got to be in the earth because verse 12 begins by saying what? The, the earth brought forth vegetation, right? Meaning the seeds have to be where? In the earth, right? In the ground in order for the earth to bring it forth. Now, this is where, um, just to uh, a not-so-handy-dandy definition for this word good, we'll say in English, tov in Hebrew, but more how this word is thinking. My father came up with this definition couple decades ago, um, and it's a, just a very helpful way of thinking more about how this word tov, whenever we see pretty much almost every time you see good throughout your Bible, um, it's this word tov in Hebrew. And this word tov is more thinking like this, the actualization of the potential for life embedded in the creation by God, when the creation brings it forth with the seeds of future life in it. I'll say it again. I know that's a very wordy definition. Yeah. Um, the actualization of the potential for life embedded in the creation by God when the creation brings it forth with the seeds of future life in it. Meaning, when we think about this word good in the context of these verses, is it called good, tov, when the seed simply goes in the ground? No. Is it called good at the first little sprout of green? No. Is it called good when it gets to be tall and green? Is it called good when you see the first sign of fruit? 
No, right? It's called good when the seed goes in the ground, starts to rise up, there's fruit, and now there's seed in that fruit. Now we have what? Louder, please. Ah, exactly, right? It's a cycle, and you can actually see the cycle. Very, very good, right? It's a cycle, and at that point, it is tov. Yeah, right? At this point, when that seed is now in the fruit, after it's come forth, now tov? And this is where I want to suggest, though, as we've been talking about in the season of darkness, the seed starts where? In the darkness. And I want to suggest, if we actually think about everyone in this room, um, everyone in this room uh, began life where? In the darkness, right? And it was very, very dark for about how long? Nine months, 40 weeks, give or take, depending on the situation, right? But roughly, we all began our life in darkness, right? And that darkness was called living where? In the womb, right? Now, this is where, um, when we think about the very first person being formed, right, when, when Adam gets created in Genesis chapter 2, it'll say in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, something along the lines of, um, Adam, uh, the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul, right? Now, in that he formed the man of the dust of the ground, when we think about the ground, for a moment here, the seed goes into the ground, and the ground kind of acts as a what for that seed? A womb, right? Now, this is where Hebrew is kind of a wildly gendered language. I know that sounds strange, but like there are things that Hebrew has gender for that we would just never associate gender with. There'll be things like um, cities, generally speaking, are feminine. Uh, the word family in Hebrew, fascinatingly enough, is also feminine. Now, family is just kind of a non-gender term in English, but in Hebrew, Almost everything has a gender. And this is where the ground, fascinatingly enough, has a gender. And anyone want to guess what gender the ground is described as being? Feminine. Absolutely right. So quite literally, in that Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it could just as easily say, the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. But that ground is feminine, right? Meaning it's not as if there is no what present in the creation of the very first person. Thank you. Woman is very much present in the creation of the very first person. It's just that in English, we don't really read it that way because all that stuff gets right out of the passage. But if I'm reading that in Hebrew, the notion that there is no woman present or there is no feminine dimension in the creation of people is not at all how the text is thinking. No, that's very much there in Genesis 2-7. And as, someone, as several people said over here, meaning... The ground, the earth, very much acts as a what for us? A womb. And one could even think about, for a moment here, when we think about this in Genesis 2, 11, and 12, as I kind of mentioned, the language is wildly gendered. Anyone want to guess what gender seeds are? Masculine, fascinatingly enough. Masculine. It's like, you know, like you can't make it up. Right? It's just kind of like, it's too clever. Right? You know, seeds, masculine, go into the female ground. And you can kind of see how this whole interaction is playing out. But this is where, um, for a moment here, so far we've only been talking about tov, this word for good, in what kind of sense? Uh, louder, please. Creationally, meaning we're only talking about if there is what? In that creational sense. Thank you. <clears throat> we've been talking about it in kind of a very strictly literal biological life, right? Like, and plant, no plant. Tree, no tree. People, no people. 
<clears throat> and I by no means want to suggest that tov, this word good, is only talking literal biological human life. Meaning I want to suggest within all of us are a whole number of different kinds of what? Not a please? <clears throat> Thank you, Adam. Seeds, right? All different kinds of seeds. Now, for some people, they might have a seed for having children. For some people, maybe not, right? For other people, a seed that maybe God's put within them is what? Creativity. Good. Generosity. Compassion. Justice. Ooh, okay, right? There's all different kinds of seeds that God can embed, embed within us. And I don't want to suggest that it is strictly literal biological life or not. Therefore, I'm not trying in any way to say, right, that if one can't or chooses not to have children, that therefore they are not what? Good or tov, right? I by no means want to say that because that's not really how the text is thinking. This is not strictly a literal biological life conversation. It can be, but not solely or singularly, as people listed so many different beautiful words of different seeds that God can embed within us. And fascinatingly enough, those seeds, just like all of us, started where? In the dark. And if we think about what life is like in the dark in the womb, what's life like in the womb? Safe. Warm. Nurturing. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of cramped, crowded living space. Yeah. <laughs> Protective. Mm. Isolated. Temporary. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, connected. Okay, if we literally think about life in the womb, we are literally what? connected. And through that connection, we are what? Ah, we are literally sustained through the connection. And there is no time in a person's life of greater what than in that 40 weeks in the womb. What was that? Growth. Thank you. Right? There is no time of greater growth in a person's life than in that 40 weeks. Nothing comes close than going from like a to like a, there's a person, right? You know, um, right, literally, in three weeks, we go from this kind of, hmm, to no time of greater growth. And fascinating enough, all of those things we just mentioned happened where? In the dark, right? In the dark. That's where those things happen, that tremendous growth, that kind of, and if we even think about in the plant dimension of what is being drawn out here in this Genesis 1, 11, and 12, this concept of tov, the seed goes in the ground, and what does the seed do in the ground? Grows. Thank you. And that growth happens in a way that pretty much none of us can what? Thank you. None of us can see it does not mean the growth isn't happening. Right? Meaning just because we can't see the growth in that darkness don't mean it ain't there. No, it's very much happening in that darkness. That tov is very much. And fascinatingly enough, that seed going in the ground, what do seeds, especially if you think of trees and plants, what do they do in the ground? They root. 
thank you, right? They root, meaning they actually, and even after they come up out of the ground, what do they continue to do? Grow, and they grow where? In the dark, in the ground, in the unseen. I mean, fast enough, they get more grounded, more rooted, and they also do what? Louder? Grow up, <laughs> thank you. They literally grow up and down at the same time. And this continued growth in darkness. Good. Okay, well, um, another puzzle piece on this word tov, good, um, and what's happening here in the darkness. Um, just as a quick example, because I know that definition I gave was super long and wordy, right? The actualization of the potential for life embedded in the creation by God when the creation brings it forth with the seeds of future life in it. That's a lot of words, right? So, yeah, yeah, right? So, as a quick example of what we're talking about here, um, let's say I am a tree. Now, let's say I drop some seeds to the ground, but it's December in Boulder, um, and those free seeds freeze, wither away, die. Tove? No, okay. Let's say, though, uh, I, I'm still a tree, and now it's April. I throw some seeds to the ground, but then there's like that mid-April freeze. Freeze, wither away, die. Tove? But now let's say I drop some seeds to the ground, but this time it's June. <sighs> June, right. Okay, and the seeds go into the ground, and they start to come up, and there's fruit, and now there's seeds in that fruit. Now we have tove, right? Fruit, tove. But so far, we've only been looking at tove going in what direction? Louder, please. Forward. Thank you, right? So far, we're only looking at Tove going forward into the future. But I want to suggest if I did a little tree hokey pokey and I turned myself around, I would see what? Louder, please. Older trees! Thank you! Meaning I am not the what? I am not the first. And hopefully, as long as I do what I'm supposed to do with whatever I've been given by God, I won't also be the last, right? Meaning I am not the Alpha and the Omega, nor the beginning or the end. I am but one tree, one tree in a very whole lot of trees that came before me that had to do a whole lot of things to get me to be here today, and hopefully a whole lot more trees to come. Now this is where, um, when we think though about this concept of tov, good, and how this starts in darkness, I want to just there's another dimension of this that also gets to be rather in darkness, which is that, let's say, um, some of the words that people said, uh, compassion was one of them, um, or justice. Let's say I have a real passion for justice, and I start to do like justice movement type of things, right? And let's say um, I'm trying to lead this group of people, um, and I'm trying to teach them in ways to promote justice in the community. As I try to teach them to promote justice, maybe a tove seed of mine is really to promote justice. Some people in that room might do what with the seed that I'm throwing out there? What'd you say? Okay, they could use it to promote intolerance or injustice. What else might they do? Nothing, thank you, right? They might do nothing. And maybe my justice is really for, you know, refugee rights, but someone else in that room has a real passion for justice for what? The earth. Okay, and I have what over my seeds now, my tove? As I throw them out there. 
Louder, please. Thank you. I have no control over what others will do with the seed that God has put within me. Right? I mean, I might have a real seed to promote justice for refugees. Someone else might have a real seed to promote justice for the environment. Meaning, all I can do is what? Throw out the seeds. And then I really pretty much have what over that seed, as you said so beautifully? No control. And let's say I'm a teacher, and I'm teaching kids this. Let's say they're you know, 16 years old. I'm a high school teacher. Um, and let's say of the 25 kids in the class, maybe five kids really connect with what I'm teaching as I'm talking about justice. And of those five kids, though, as I'm teaching high school, let's say they're juniors, what do I not know when they go finish junior year? Louder, please. What happened with them? I have no idea what happens with them. And I might have a guess that maybe five really connected, but I really have no idea what happens to them. And let's say of those five that connect, I might not ever what about those five kids? Louder, please. I might never know what happens with that seed. Right, I mean, I might never have any idea, no clue whatsoever what they do with that seed that God's put within me, that I've been sharing. I might have zero concept of if anything ever comes from it. And as you said, kind of beautifully and heartbreakingly simultaneously, they could use that seed to do other things. Meaning, I want to suggest even when it comes to bringing forth the seed, we're in an awful lot of what? Darkness. <laughs> Right? You know, when it comes to this tobe that God's put within us, these seeds, there's not a whole lot of clarity of, is this really working? Am I doing it? Is it happening? And I think it can be um, sometimes kind of excruciatingly discouraging to not be able to see the what of our seeds, the fruit, because what do we almost all want to always see? Thank you. <laughs> The results, because if I know the results, then I can know what? That it was good, that it was told, right? That I'm doing it. But so rarely, I think we ever get to see, as several people said, the fruit. And he even talks about this. I mean, how many times Jesus is teaching in parables, saying there will be some people that sow, and there will be others that what? Harvest, and others that? water and others that, right, you know, do all the different kinds of things, all the different steps in the process. And that's all a part of the process? Meaning, maybe the thing for me as a high school teacher for juniors is to throw out the seed, the plant, and someone else is really going to water, and someone else is going to prune, and another person's really going to harvest. And I want to suggest the darkness that exists in not knowing if what we're doing is actually bringing forth. Tove can be so hard because it's not always clear and we don't know what people will do with it and they could use it for very other means. Nothing that I would have originally attended. Meaning I want to suggest this whole concept of Tove, there's a huge dimension where I have to what? Wait, trust, ooh, thank you. Wait, trust, I'll throw one more with trust. Let go. I mean, it's, this whole concept of Tove is not really all about who. What was that? 
me. <laughs> it's really not about me. It's really not about me. And I think that can be so hard when we think, well, God put that within me. So therefore, it's whose? Mine. And I want to just, this is where I think there's oftentimes a conflation between ownership and stewardship, responsibility, because I want to suggest I do have a responsibility to do what? Oh, could you do that motion again? <sighs> yes, exactly. That was all. Thank you. Right. I have responsibility to bring it forth, to steward that out. And yet, it's not mine. It's God's. And I think that's going to be that such hard tension of, I know what this could look like. I know what this could be. I don't own it. It's not all mine. Okay, um, all this making sense on Tove good so far? Okay, um, so another puzzle piece here on this word Tove, good in Hebrew, um, which is, and thank you all for those examples because I just want to reiterate one more time. I think it can become so kind of tightly just life, no life, of, and of a biological sort of life, and clearly this goes beyond that idea that it's just baby, no baby or something of that nature, that there can be so many different kinds of tov. So people talk about compassion, justice, you know, caring for those in need, the environment. There can be all different kinds of seeds that God's put within us. And usually, I'd want to suggest there's a whole lot more than one. There's usually multiple different seeds that have many different shape and form and size. And to really kind of think about what are those seeds that God has embedded within us. And the responsibility to steward those and to cast them out and yet to recognize I don't really have control and I have to trust and let go of what others might do with them. Now, another um, passage that we kind of pointed to here was in Exodus chapter 2. Now, in Exodus chapter 2, um, we hit a kind of a very difficult moment, thank you, um, in Exodus chapter 2. Uh, now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. Now, this is at a time um, in Egypt where the children of Israel, um, what's life like for the children of Israel down in Egypt in Exodus chapter 2? Louder, please. Enslaved. And Pharaoh has decreed that all Hebrew baby boys are supposed to what? Be killed, drowned in the Nile River. Um, right? All the Hebrew baby boys are supposed to be drowned, killed in the Nile River, mass genocide, um, and the Hebrews are enslaved. Um, meaning, when this certain Levite woman decides to have a son and hide him, she could be what if she were caught? Killed very easily, very reasonably. She's a slave. She has like less than no rights. Um, very easily be killed. Meaning, I want to suggest that this woman is, as we were talking about with dimensions before with Mary, this woman is very much doing what here? Louder, please. Resisting, right? Resisting kind of to the extreme um, in putting her life very much on the line. As in many dimensions we talked about, you know, a refugee. You know, the, the kind of incredibleness, if we think for a moment here, just in this moment of Exodus 2 to where we go, you know, 2,000 years ago-ish with Jesus, right, is Egypt in this moment is a place of incredible what for the children of Israel? Suffering, right? Immense danger. 2,000 years ago, Egypt was the place where, what for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? S safety, refuge. Meaning, I think that there's a temptation, I think so often in our scripture, to take 
places in particular and say, this place is what kind of a place? Bad place. And this place is what kind of a place? Good, great place, right? But 2,000 years ago, Egypt was the place of safety refuge. The promised land was the place of danger, potential death, and eventual, yeah, right? You know, and yet, <clears throat> back around 4,000 years ago, kind of the inverse was true. So it's just, wanted to climb out of for a moment. There, there's a great temptation, I think, to say, this place good, this place bad, Egypt always bad, promised land always good, or safe, or a place of refuge. Not always in this passage, you know, in the juxtaposition of what you were sharing at the beginning, very much spells that out. Now, this is where I know the translation says, the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby. Yeah, it's kind of too bad. So um, that part where it says he was a fine baby, <clears throat> In Hebrew, I'll read you the words. Well, I'll, read you the, I'll say it in English first. <clears throat> what it literally says, um, and she saw that he was good. In Hebrew, um, the words sound like this. Vatere oto kitovhu. And she saw that he was good. Vatere oto kitovhu. Now, when do we first hear about someone seeing that it was good? Genesis chapter 1, days of creation, right? And fascinatingly enough, this is literally to the word the exact same way it frames it in the days of creation when it says, God saw that it was good. It's the exact same language, the, literally the exact same words. And she saw that he was good, and God saw that it was good. It's the exact same words. And one of the things that's helpful whenever studying scripture is to look at the very first usage of a word or very early usages of words to see the original context that they'll be used in, which also helps to set forth a trajectory for how that words will move throughout the Bible. Now here, this unnamed Levite woman is being described as seeing how. Louder, please. <laughs> exactly like God sees in the days of creation and very good, right? This is literally the exact same language it describes as God seeing in the days of creation. And this is who again? A woman. What's her name? Don't know here. Um, uh, what's her role and where she lives? She's a slave. And she's described as, say it again, please. Seeing like God. Seeing like God. Now, this is where um, anyone want to care to guess how many times it's said about any other person between God in the days of creation and this unnamed Levite woman. Anyone want to guess how many times it has said, and someone or God saw that it was good? Anyone want to guess how many times? What was that? Very good. Exactly right. None. This is the very first time this phrase has been used since God in the days of creation and someone or God saw that it was good, very first time, very first time. Meaning, fast enough, the very first time this phrase gets used, post-days of creation, is fastly enough with an unnamed Levite slave woman down in Egypt. First person who's described, as you said, as seeing as God sees, as God sees in the days of creation. And I want you to just, life for this unnamed Levite woman would be immensely what? Hard, difficult. What was that? Oppressive. 
<laughs> Extremely dark. Thank you, right? Extremely dark. Extremely dark. And it would be very easy in this moment to have absolutely zero no what for this woman. Hope, right? How easy it would be to not have hope. And yet somehow, the very first person who is described as seeing as God sees, as God sees in the days of creation, is this woman right here in Exodus chapter 2. And that seeing happens where? In the darkness. In an incredibly dark situation where there appears to be no hope. And yet here she is, seeing in darkness. Okay, um, before we turn, any questions about this word tov and how it works? Yes. This phrase and blank saw that it was good. It's incredibly rare. It is a really, really, really kind of excruciatingly rare phrase that it's, it's just, it's breathtakingly beautiful that this is the very next time. And just as a real quick example of what this sounds like in Hebrew, so you can just hear, um, like I said, it's, it's a very gendered language, so you hear a slight difference, but it's really the same phraseology. So what it says here at the end of verse 12 um, is, Vayar Elohim Kitov, and God saw it was good. In Exodus 2, verse 2, Vatere Oto Kitov. It's just the word Tere, saw, ki, that, tov, it was good. It's literally the exact same language. Um, and fascinating enough to your question, is unbelievably rarely used. Just not something one would expect to see anywhere, let alone from an unnamed Levite woman living as a slave down in Egypt, uh, sees as God sees. And in that sense, she saw that he was good. As we're thinking about good for a moment here, I want to just, it's not just that he's like a cute baby that you want to pinch his cheeks or that like you want to hold him really close because the way that he kind of, um, you know, snuggles in your arms is really cute and sweet, right? That's not really what it's talking about. She saw that he was good. As we talked about with this word good, to see good would mean to see what? Okay, yes, future seed-bearing potential. And this woman right here in Exodus 2, that was so beautifully said, right, to see this future seed-bearing potential, she sees that in this baby. Right, it's not just like, eh, he'll be fine. No worry about it, right? No. She sees that future potential, what's within him. Whew. Any other questions about this word, Tov? Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, it's, it's really, really fun. Um, because if one looks in the days of creation, you know, basically Genesis 1 through Genesis 2, 4, um, it's all this good Tov language. There's nothing in there about anything else. And fascinatingly enough, to your point, um, the very first time the word evil is mentioned in the Bible, fascinatingly, is where? Louder, please? The Garden of Eden, where? in that passage. You're right. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Absolutely right. The tree of knowledge of good, tov, and evil. Meaning evil as a concept, it gets into a whole big long study, but to your question, evil as a concept is not some amorphous abstract idea. 
it is very much introduced as an idea in relationship to good. Meaning, I think we think, you know, as you talked about, yeah, yeah that, that the whole concept of evil is not some like random thing that could be this or that. Uh, it's very much in relationship in the context with Tov. And I think oftentimes what gets difficult is we decontextualize ideas of evil uh, to be something else. And it's not to say those can't be, but as the text is thinking about it in the original construct of the word, it's very much in relationship to good. Um, yeah, and, and so far here in the days of creation, you know, like, <laughs> what a question, yeah. Okay, um, let us pray. Oh, you had a question, yeah. Yes! Okay, right? Yes! I love it. Yeah, it, right. In Genesis chapter 2, when it says, it is not good for man to be alone, right? It is not tov for the man to be alone. I mean, I want to suggest the way that gets framed, I think oftentimes unhelpfully in ways, is we make that simply that there needs to be a what? Ah, what was that? A wife. And yet I want to suggest alone, it, we could just as easily see that as, it is not good for people to live how? Complete isolation forever. You know, as was said before, while the womb, there is an isolating dimension of that. Simultaneously, as was said so beautifully here, we're only supposed to be in the womb for about how long? 40 weeks. And if we're in there a whole lot more than 40 weeks, what happens? <laughs> Can get pretty dangerous really fast. And if we're in there a lot less than 40 weeks, what happens? Similarly, not a great situation, potentially, right? Meaning, as you said, temporary for a time and just kind of the right amount of time. But that's where I want to suggest what our scripture seems to point to continually is this dimension of living in community. It's not to say to not have quiet time. I don't want to say to not have alone time or to have space. I think what I really see there in Genesis 2 to your question is that it is not good for people to live in complete isolation. And that seems to be that that dimension of the need for sacred community. You know, when Jesus says, right, the two great instructions are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's hugely talking about God, self, and community, right? Not just me and God. Jesus, take the wheel. We ride into the sunset. And, you know, <clears throat> just the two of us. Right, you know, um, right, you know the, the need for sacred community. And that seems, I think, so what's vibrating in that, in that Genesis 2, um, which is such a phenomenal question, right, of it is not tov for a person to be alone in the need for community. Phew, thank you. Okay, um, let us pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of you, for this season of darkness, for the treasures in them, for all the growing that happens in ways that we know and don't know, see and can't see, and maybe won't ever really understand. Lord God, we are so eternally grateful to you and for you, for all that you provide, for being able to gather in community with you at the center. Thank you for the gift of life. It is in your holy name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, Rabbi. My name's Hillary. I'm going to be leading us through a time of offering. Um, during this time, we are imagining a world where all people